Welcome to the City View Community Church Podcast. Whether you're here for our weekly sermons, leadership chats, or conversations about life, we are stoked that you are here. If you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us, head over to cityviewcc.com. Our prayer today is that you walk away challenged, encouraged, and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing God, loving people, and living on mission. Let's jump right in. Well, I'm super excited to be kicking off a new series with you today. Last month, we we talked about spiritual disciplines and and navigating those things and those opportunities that we have. And this month, we're we're kicking off a series called Common Sense. And, and I want to pull back the curtain for you just a little bit. About six months ago, uh, I, I try to process where we're kind of heading with our sermon series about six months in advance. And I was praying about what the Lord wanted me to, to share with you guys as we started this, this year. And he's like, hey, I want you to do a series on generosity. And I was like, nope, that's bad pizza. That's not the Lord, because nobody wants to talk about that. Let's not talk about finances, because it's awkward. And trust me, I felt it last service. Do me a favor. Some of you just smile every once in a while, even if you're not listening, because last service, it was just like, stone-faced. But, but here, I'm, I'm so excited about this series because I believe that, that money impacts our lives in so many different ways. And why I'm really excited today is that we're going to talk about money, and I'm not asking you for any of yours. Maybe that's the first time you've been in the church and that's ever happened. So we're talking about today how you can find and experience some financial freedom and some healing in your life. And while we believe in the power of generosity and all of that, we'll get to that at another point. But today, I want you to to understand and think about the fact that in order for us to get to some of the places we want to get to in our lives, it requires us to take care of what's happening right now. And so as we jump in today, a famous young poet back in the day once said, I got my mind on my money and my money. We supposed to be in church? Look at y'all. Look at y'all. But those words describe each and every one of us, if we're just being honest. When we wake up in the morning, we're, we're thinking about our money. When we go to, it's lunchtime and we're hungry, should I spend $27 on a burger or should I eat the ham sandwich that I brought with me from home? Like, what should we do? When I go to bed at night, we, we think about money, the impact that it has in our lives, and we're, we're trying to navigate all of those things. And as we look deeper, it reveals some deeper truths within our heart. And as I was thinking about this, I was kind of thinking about the, some of the mottos that, that my family we have, and one of those is that it's either time or money. When we're dealing with a situation, a problem, it's either the time spent to solve it or the money to pay someone to help solve it. And we, we just navigate that. It's always a tension point that is there. But what's interesting is when it comes to our time, we understand that it's limited, so we try our best to guard it and protect it and spend it well. When it comes to our money, it is also limited, but we don't have to limit ourselves. And you're like, what what do you mean? How is that possible? I I don't feel that way. Well, you see the first in your notes today, you can't borrow time, but you can borrow money. You, You can't add any more hours to the day, but you can add money to your life. 
And I believe one of the, the biggest problems as Americans is that we confuse standard of living with quality of life. And we falsely assume that if I, if I raise my standard of living, if I, if I go and get that house, if I get that car, if I, if I take that leap of faith, if I go on that vacation, if I buy that outfit, if I, if I raise this standard of living, then my quality of life will match it. But how many of you have experienced that just because you raise the standard of living, it doesn't always raise the quality of life? Because many times in order to get there, and you see this in your notes, we raise our standard of living through debt instead of raising our quality of life through discipline. We raise our standard through debt. We, we swipe that card. We, we take out that loan. We do those things hoping that as we raise our standard of living, that some of the things that we want to feel, it, it will match. But as we do this with our finances, what it does is it creates tension for us. It creates stress, it creates anxiety, and it, it causes us to, to actually erode the quality of our lives when we're constantly stressed and pressured by money. And so we, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Jesus talks about it in the Gospel of Luke, and he says this in Luke sixteen ten: If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? And then he, he turns the page, he, he pivots, he says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And I, I love this little line in here by the author. The Pharisees, who dearly loved their money, heard all this and booed him. Boo, Jesus, we don't like this talk. They scoffed at him. I don't want to hear this foolishness. But Jesus paints an important picture for us. Discipline, discipline looks like being faithful in the little Discipline looks like being honest in the little. Discipline looks like being trust, trustworthy with worldly wealth. But one of my favorite parts is, is being faithful with other people's things. As I was, I was reading those scriptures, I, I've been in some conversations with some, some different guys for some opportunities that are coming up in, in our lives. And and we're, we're getting to this place where we're having these great conversations. I'm like, how did, how do we get here? And one of the ways, one of the secrets to it, and this doesn't have anything to do with finances, this is just to help you out. One of the, the things that has won more people over to me and ability to connect with them and have influence with them is that I honor their time. When I say I'm going to show up at a time, I show up. And when we say, hey, we're, uh, we're, we're going to talk for 30 minutes, at the 25-minute mark, you know what I do? Hey, I know we only have five minutes left, and so I just, let me ask you one last question because I want to honor your time. Just, there's just something important that I think we miss so many times about being faithful with other people's things and not realizing the impact that it actually has on our own life. 
that's another subject. But then he switches the language in there. He says you cannot have two masters, or maybe in our context it would be better to say you cannot have two drivers because those drivers are, are pulling you. They're pushing you. They're leading you in opposite directions. And Jesus is saying that your, your attention, your affection, your thoughts, your focus cannot be devoted to both. He uses this heavy language where he says, you can't serve God and be enslaved by money. Now, there's a misconception that, that God is, is anti-wealth, that God is anti-you having good things in your life, and that could not be further from the truth. What Jesus is saying is that the love of money, the affection of money, the, the money having so much control on your life is the problem. The money itself is not the problem. It's what it does to you. That's why we're talking about our relationship with money today. So how do we do this? Where do we begin? To help you out today, I want to give you three revealing questions to help you discover your relationship with money and and what God could do in that particular area. And the first one is this. What is your money story? What is your money story? Because whether you recognize it or not, we all have a money story. We all experience this. I, I, I was reading some books and, and digging into some, some financial experts that aren't even believers. This is what, what the world around us would explain as what your money story is. Money experts define it this way. Your money story is your own deep personal financial narrative formed in early childhood from the age of two years old and continuing to your early 20s. Your unique and individual money story created your current relationship with money. This relationship influences the way you work, your career, your business choices, spending, saving patterns, even the type of partners you choose and whether or not you feel financially confident. That's your money story. How is it possible that from the age of two till early 20s, that there's this story we pay zero attention to, but it somehow psychologically has this level of impact on our lives. And so I wanted to kind of give you an example of it and share with you my money story and, and what I grew up with so that you have an example of what this looks like. So I, I grew up in a family who... We lived in the U.S., but both of my parents were born on this little tiny Caribbean island uh, off the coast of Honduras. On the island, my parents growing up had 12 hours of electricity a day. It would come on in the evenings through the night so that you had light at night. During the day, there was no electricity. We would get buckets of water from underneath the house floor to take showers, cold showers. It was hot on the island, so it didn't really matter, but you were taking cold showers with a bucket. When they moved to New Orleans, they were through this just God moment that I don't have the time to unpack with you. They had an opportunity to connect with some Sicilians who owned pizza restaurants, and my grandparents and my dad got involved in opening a restaurant in the New Orleans area. So this is, this is kind of what's happening. It happened a couple years before I was born. So when it comes to my dad, my dad was not a saver. My dad was a dreamer. 
My dad, my, my childhood consisted of stopping at random empty buildings, looking through the windows going, hey, we could put a stove right here and a pizza oven right here and we could shift this wall and move and set up some, some tables here and we probably could get about 30 people here and, and then maybe we could expand it to the next wing. And That was my entire childhood is driving around from one restaurant to another restaurant to another restaurant, experiencing all of these things and dreaming of what could be. By the time I was in middle school, my family owned five restaurants in the New Orleans area. But we never had a lot to show for it. Because the reason is the moment we would get some money, my dad would use that money to fund the next adventure, fund the next dream, fund the next restaurant. And so this idea of saving never was on my plate because when you get some money, you use it for the next adventure. We talked about money very openly. My parents would let me know heading into Christmas time, hey, the budget is super tight this year. We didn't do well. It was a hard year, so Christmas is going to be a little bit lighter. Cool. No problem. Baby, we nailed it this year. So whatever you want for Christmas, you let us know. We're going to make it happen. Yes, this is awesome, Chris. And, and for me, a person who is driven by the why, having that information, it never bothered me. If we don't have a lot, we don't have a lot. If we do, then let's have fun with it. Like that was, that made sense to me. My parents, one of the other elements of that, my parents were always, always, always faithful givers to the church. They believed deeply in missions work. We we went to Africa, we went to, to Honduras, we went to Mexico, we went to these places serving the under-resourced throughout my entire childhood and experiencing that. My family, my parents sacrificed constantly to take care of the family around them whenever they were in need to give them, even when they didn't have a lot, they would take care of their family. So I learned three kind of defining principles as I look at my childhood. Give to God what is God's. Take care of people who are under-resourced. And when you don't have a lot of money, don't spend it. When you do have a lot of money, that's when you get to spend it, right? Like, that's what I grew up with. So my foundation was from that point. And as I became a man of my own, I had to figure out what to do with that information. Why does that matter? It matters because if you don't own your money story, your money story will own you. You will be making decisions about your finances. You will be making decisions about how you react to money based on information that you don't even realize where it's coming from. Your money story is like seeds planted within your life that impact the way that you view and experience it. There's beliefs, there's principles, there's habits, there's patterns that have been deposited within you. And maybe for you, you ran the opposite way of how you grew up when it came to money. That still has impacted your worldview when it comes to your finances. You see, my dad, my dad taught me how to dream. My dad taught me how to care for people when they are in need. But I missed all the lessons on how to save right? Like there's beauty and there's lessons in your story. The beauty is this church would not exist had my dad not taught me how to dream. 
This wouldn't exist. Us sitting here together, us having two services, us being in this building would not happen if I didn't grow up looking in windows at busted up buildings going, you know what? I think we could do something here because that's exactly what Lauren and I did as I lifted her up to look in these little windows. The first time we came to the building, we're like, oh my goodness, this place needs some work. But we dreamed because my dad taught me how. But I also had some bad financial habits because whenever we didn't have a lot of money, we tightened the belt and we handled it as a couple. But when money came in, it was like, vacation time, baby. I'm taking you shopping. Let's go. And I didn't realize that this stemmed from my money story. And what I just want some of you to do is to recognize the impact that your money story has on your life. And that leads us to our second question. And and I believe this is the most important question we are going to ask today. Number two, what is your relationship with money? What is your relationship with money? Research shows that 50% of people in developed countries like the U.S., like Europe, Canada, they live with a constant fear, constant anxiety, and constant insecurity about their financial situation. Jesus says you can't have two masters. You can't have two drivers. You can't have these two things in your life that are pulling you in opposite directions because it is going to cause tension within the direction and within your heart of where you're going. You will be motivated by two completely different things, and that doesn't work. It doesn't work in our life. You see, the seeds are planted by our money story, but they fail or they flourish based on our emotional connection to money. There are certain there's certain aspects of our life and not every single aspect of our life, but there are key ones where it is more than just we experience things. We actually have an emotional relationship with those things and money is one of those things. Jesus makes it abundantly. He talks so much about money because he understands that there is an emotional relationship that is there. Paul describes it this way in the New Testament, Philippians 4. He says, not that I was ever in need, even though he wrote this while he's in prison, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me Strength. Paul could face whatever he faced because his relationship with stuff was healthy. He's not content because he's some super Christian. He's content because he says, in the little, when I have no money because I'm beaten and stuck in prison, Jesus is still my strength. When I have plenty, when I've sold a bunch of tents and I got money to fund the mission that I want to be able to do, that's awesome too, but Jesus is still my strength. Everything that I need is found in him. Paul has this understanding of the right place for these things in his life, which leads to contentment. It was this healthy relationship. 
And so I want you to investigate your relationship with money by filling in the blank in this next phrase. I hold blank in my heart towards money. I hold blank in my heart towards money. Danny, what, what, I don't hold anything in my heart towards money. What are you talking about? Okay, let's, let's fill in the blank. Let's give some examples. I hold love in my heart towards money. I love me some money. I love it. When it comes in, I love counting it. You like, what, what was the Donald Dunk, Duck's uncle that was rich all the time and he just loved counting money? His eyes were turned into coins whenever he would see it. I hold fear in my heart towards money. Hey, Danny, if I was honest with you, I would tell you that I wake up and I go to bed afraid because there's fear in my heart towards money. I'm struggling with it because the fear of what could happen, the fear of some financial crisis, the fear of, of something turning and me not having enough, it wrecks my soul. This is one that none of us would admit to, but most of us deal with. I hold entitlement in my heart towards money. What is that supposed to mean, Danny? I deserve. I deserve. Danny, I work hard. I bust my butt at work. I put in hours. I, I deal with my boss. I deserve to go to Target and spend $300 even though I went in just to buy a gallon of milk. It doesn't matter. I, I deserve to spend what I make. I deserve. I hold entitlement in my heart. I hold trust in my heart. When there's enough zeros behind it, there's trust that I have. Some of you would say, Danny, I, I hold elusiveness in my heart towards money because it's like money is allergic to me. Anytime I see it, it just runs away. It never comes my way. You talking about having, I've never seen it. What is this green stuff you talk of? I've never, ever had it before. What do you hold in your heart? For most of us, I think we'd be honest and say, I hold stress in my heart towards money. Stress. So what do you hold in your heart towards money? What is your relationship with money. What I need you to understand is this, that anything that has more pull, more influence, more weight in your life, more weight, more power, more connection than God, he's going to have a problem with it. Because he knows that when he's in his proper place, his promise to us is that all things will be in order from there. So how do we deal with this? What is our relationship with money? And it leads us to the third and last question. I think it's a really important one. Not as important as the last one, but it's kind of equally important. What problem is money solving for you? What problem is money solving for you? One of the most practical ways to see where your relationship with money is, is the living percentage test. The living percentage test. Ask yourself, what percentage of my income do I actually live on? Some of you would say, Danny, I live on 90% of my income. Some of you would say, I live on 100%. $2 comes in, $2 goes out. That's 100%. But if we're honest with ourselves, I think a lot of us would say, Danny, I probably live on about 110%. 
Research shows that the average man, I'm going to leave the ladies alone. This is just the dudes, us dudes. The average man in the U.S. has between $40,000 and $60,000 worth of debt. Well, that's a mortgage, Danny. You're just, no, no, that is not mortgage. That is credit card debt. That's student loan debt. That's car debt. That's personal loan debt. The average U.S. man has forty dollars to $60,000 worth of debt. We live above, we live on a percentage that is above what we actually bring in, trying to raise our standard of living rather than actually raising our quality of life through the discipline. So, so why is that the case? Some of it is cost of living. I understand we live in the most expensive city in the United States. Trust me, I planted a church up in San Diego. We, we, we didn't have any money. We just, I just wrote the, the rent check and for the billionth time, I sat in the car with that cashier's check and I went, God, one more month in San Diego. We made it. We got 30 more days here. Let's see if we can make it to the next one. We've been here for six years. Right? Like, it, I get it. I get it. But if we're honest, we ask money to solve problems that it was never created to solve. What does that mean? What problems would that look like? Maybe the problem that you're asking money to solve is an emotional one. Be transparent with you. When my dad suddenly died of a heart attack, I began to spend money emotionally. Why? Because I couldn't control the fact that I lost my dad so suddenly. So to feel a little moment of control, I would buy something that I didn't have enough money for. And some of you, there are emotional places that, that you're asking money to solve something for you. I'm stressed out, so I just want to feel good, so I'm going to spend that money. I know I shouldn't do it, but I just, I'm going to spend it because I'm so aggravated at work. I'm so frustrated with my spouse. I'm so aggravated by what is happening here. I'm, I'm so lonely. I'm so, and we ask money to solve an emotional problem that money has no ability to solve it. Maybe for some of you, the problem that is an identity one. I don't know where the old adage comes from, but trying to keep up with the Joneses, whoever the Joneses were, apparently they had a lot of money and they showed everybody. This phrase has lasted for decades and decades. I don't know who they are. But so many times we, we try to, to get money to solve this identity crisis that we're struggling with. We spend money we don't have to impress people we don't like. Why? Because secretly within our heart, we're saying, hey, money, will you make me feel better about myself? Will you make me feel more confident in myself? Will you fill this hole that I have in my heart? And Jesus is going, that's my spot. That's my spot. You're, you're enslaving yourself emotionally and in your identity to something that can't fill it. It's not that wealth is evil. It's that when we ask it to solve a problem that was meant for Jesus to solve, it pulls us further away from him.
Some of you, you're the polar, polar opposite. Your problem is not that you're a spender. You are a saver. You're a security one. Your, your wife has to full out a, fill out a full application in order to get 20 more dollars to go to the store because you are hoarding them little acorns for whatever might come my way. You will not spend this money. We don't have any groceries. Eat beans. I don't care. We're not spending. Why? Because the zeros in that bank account represent your security rather than Jesus. I'm just being real with you. We, we, we have these places within our hearts that, that we, and, and Lauren and I had this, we had a little bit of money for this one stretch of time and I felt so much peace. And then all of the cars blew up and some in the house blew up and then it was all gone. All of a sudden I was stressed out again. Why? My peace was in the, the security net of the savings account. My peace wasn't found in Jesus. We do this so many times, whether you're a spender or whether you're a saver, you're asking money to fill something that's rightfully the place of Jesus. And all he's saying is, it ain't gonna work. Trust me, lean into me, and the rest will follow I've told you this before, that if your safety, your security, your identity is attached to anything but Jesus, insecurity will follow. Why? Because anything we attach our identity to, that's not the firm foundation we just sang about. It's shaky ground and insecurity will follow. Jesus said it best. I love the Passion Translation of this verse, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. Don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourself that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose their value. For your heart will always pursue what you esteem as your treasure. Is Jesus saying that we should go spend all of our money and not have anything in the bank account? No, that's not. We're going to talk about how we steward our money next week. His point is your heart will follow. Your heart will pursue. Your thoughts will be dominated. The the solution to the problem that you prioritize will be the root of your heart. It will be your treasure. As your heart, your soul, and your mind pursue Jesus, he becomes the treasure that you need. As we get ready to wrap up here, I believe that we carry three spirits when it comes to to money. And it's these three, that, that when it comes to our money, we carry a spirit of pride, we carry a spirit of poverty, or we carry a spirit of gratitude. A spirit of pride says, wealth comes from me. I work hard. I brought it in. I did the work. I'm talented. I had the conversations. I navigated the situations. I secured the job opportunity. It's mine. I did this. It isn't about my proximity or my trust in God. It's about my performance. Poverty, on the other hand, says there's never enough. There'll never be enough. 
It's this scarcity mentality and it, and it leads to this overzealous pursuit of money or it leads to this defeated mentality of apathy, neither of which are healthy, neither of which are good. And they lead to undisciplined habits with money. But a spirit of gratitude says, wealth is from God and it belongs to him. It holds on to the words of James that says that every good and perfect gift is from him. It carries a mentality that, yeah, I work hard. Family, I work hard. I, I'm tired when I go home at the end of the day. I'm, I'm tired after meeting after meeting. I'm, I'm tired after going and doing X, Y, and Z. Like, no one is saying that your hard work is not honored. It's simply saying every good thing comes from above. That every blessing I have in my life is from Him. And because it's from Him, I will trust Him with it. I will do what He says to do. If He's the provider, I trust Him. And I steward it as if it's not mine. And when I do that, it carries with it a spirit of humility and a spirit of trust. So here's your homework for this week. Like, I didn't come here for homework. Too bad you got it. Investigate your money story. Investigate your money story. Just, just spend 10 minutes and say, hey, God, what was it like growing up when it came to money? Help me, help me just remember those things and what, what impact that might be playing in my story. The second part of it is to, is to recognize your relationship with money. Recognize this, this emotional connection. What do you hold in your heart towards money? And the last one, I wanted to give you a really practical tool. And it's to inventory your spending. You probably came in, you're like, why is there a staple page? What are we talking about today? We got all kinds of pages. This is just a really, really, really simple tool that I came across from a company that we've used before that just helps you see where your money is going. You, you don't have to do anything else. Just write down where your money is going because I think so many times we don't know what to do with our money because we have no idea where our money went. You got paid on Friday and here we are on Sunday and you're like, we're broke and I don't know where it went. What happened? It's just important for us to, to inventory those things and see where it's at. But I want you to prayerfully ask God, I, honestly, I just, I just don't think we do this enough. Prayerfully ask God, hey, is there something that I'm missing in my relationship with money? Is there something that is, that is dominating my reaction, that's dominating my thoughts, that's dominating my life? Because I'm putting a little bit more trust and a little bit more weight and a little bit more emphasis on it over you. God, would you just show me those things? And as we do that, I believe he's gonna reveal things to you that will bring you peace. Listen, I'm not here to tell you what to do with your money. That's between you and him. It, it literally has nothing to do with me. But what I want for you 
is for you to experience the freedom on the other side of trusting God fully in this area of our life that we leave him out of so many times. Freedom for your thoughts, freedom for your soul, freedom for your anxiety, freedom from your stress, to be able to know that as I trust him in this, he will show up. Let's pray. Jesus, I don't know how you did this so much in the Bible. You like to talk about money. I don't. But I thank you. I thank you that you gave us so many lessons to be learned. God, I pray for my friends who are watching online right now. I pray that you would just inspire them to trust you in new ways. God, I pray for my friends right here in this room that you would you would reveal those areas of their life where their love of money, their stress of money, their entitlement of money, their emotional connection to money, that, that whatever it is, I pray that you would reveal those things in their heart right now so that they can surrender that to you and trust you in that area. Jesus, I pray for my friends that you would you would create such a healthy relationship with their finances that it would no longer be something that keeps them up at night, but it would be something that inspires them to live a life of generosity and care and a life of purpose. God, I pray that you would bring in resources in their life from the north, the south, the east, and West, God, that you would pour your blessings on your people. And that as you pour out your blessings, that we would be good stewards and that we would live with a spirit of gratitude that says every good and perfect gift is from you. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We pray all of this in your strong and your mighty name. Amen.